Welcome to Walking in Faith, a weekly podcast dedicated to examining the Bible to help lifelong seekers of the kingdom of God expand their faith and understanding by exploring God's Word. Now let's join Pastor Rob Currington as he shares this week's message. Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's continue through Luke, Luke chapter 5. And again, thank you for being here this morning as we continue our journey through the Gospel of Luke. We're in Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. I will be clean. To mask or not to mask? That is the question. Of course, all other things. To protest or not to protest? To cancel out or not to cancel? We live in very turbulent times, do we not? Mandatory mask policies have become a lightning rod in American culture amid this COVID-19 pandemic. And the debate over face coverings continue. And with this is, I think, more more so than necessary, we need to follow the scripture's advice to, or not advice, but command to love your neighbor as yourself and to show honor and to esteem others better than yourself. And so I'm not going to settle that question, but I want you to think about what's going on today, because it's going to be a good analogy as we talk about the leopard man, someone who is untouchable, someone who had to walk around calling uh, out unclean, unclean. And today we have that same type of concept. Maybe you yourself have found yourself in the same type of thing or witnessed it. Uh, We can do so on Facebook and Twitter and all sorts of things of people at stores or restaurants and one person getting mad because another person is or is not wearing a mask. And it just seems to just be driving our our nation's uh, conversation to a point where we're no longer talking or listening to each other, but talking past and at each other. And there just seems to be no end in sight of what's going on. Two weeks ago, we read Luke's origin story of the calling of Peter, Andrew, James, and John, the first disciples of Christ. And we saw that Jesus purposely calls out these four fishermen to leave their commercial fishing business to come and follow him. And though they did not know exactly what all of that entailed, what the cost would be, we read that they did so. They abandoned all things to follow Jesus. Of course, you and I now standing uh, on the back end of this part of the history Uh, we know that they gave their lives and were martyred all but one. But as we come to this week's passage, Luke's narrative of Jesus' encounter with a man full of leprosy, it serves as an example of God's or Jesus' divine healing power, his compassion towards those that are suffering and in pain. So let's with that, let's look at Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. Luke writes, while Jesus was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately Luke writes that the leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one, but go show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded for proof to them. So, Father, just... Give us uh, your words this morning. Thank you so much for this narrative. This man whom we do not know his name or anything about him. Lord, he is recorded for posterity for for of all time in the words that are internal, the words that are true. And so I pray that as we come together this morning, that we open up our minds and hearts, read this anew with fresh eyes, with a fresh heart, willing to receive what you have for us. And I pray that your spirit will have free reign, that we may understand 
uh, Jesus' healing, his compassion, and his desire and will to save. We thank you for this time in your name. Amen. Now, as we begin observing this passage, I want to first focus on the man himself. Many times as we read and consider narratives such as this one, it becomes easy to separate the man from the issues at hand. We do this all the time, even today, whether it's something we read in the newspaper or social media or watch on the news. One of the moments that is defining us today is that tendency to dehumanize individuals, each other. We're drawn to the conflicts, the problems, and the issues, whatever they may be, but we forget the dignity of the person and the people involved. And, and one of the reasons that we're even talking about this, again, I, I want to stay uh, uh, not on a political theme, but when we're talking about just even the George Floyd thing, they're wanting us to remember that there are human beings behind policy procedures and chants and protests. Uh, now, they forget that as well as they continue on, as they do harm to others. But there is a sense in which many times we think of things and, and it's too broad and we don't get down to the people that are involved. And that's whether it's someone who's being harmed uh, uh, through their actions or the police or others or whatever may be the case. We have a tendency to dehumanize the persons and the people behind it. We are not given this man's name, so it's very easy for us to just look at his condition and then just go on and forget about him. But Luke notes that his eyewitnesses' accounts that he based this, this story on, this narrative, recall that one time that when Jesus was visiting, visiting and teaching in one of the cities of Galilee, that he was approached by a man, as you can see this in Scripture, was full of leprosy. Now, leprosy was a common disease that consisted of many uh, different types of ailments, of usually skin. Leprosy in the ancient world could mean various skin diseases, including what you and I know of Hansen's disease. MedicineNet.com defines leprosy as a disease that's caused by bacteria, and it causes damage to the skin and the peripheral nervous system. The disease develops slowly from anywhere from six months to over 40 years, so it's a, it can be a very long-lasting disease and, and continually deform the body. And it results in skin lesions and deformities, most often affecting the cooler places of the body, uh, the eye, the nose, the earlobes, hands, feet, and private areas, things of that nature. The skin lesions and, and deformities can be very disfiguring and are the reasons that infected uh, individuals historically were considered outcasts in many cultures. And so this is a disease that, that would look horrible. Uh, mainly because you would just see the rash, the white skin, uh, the redness, uh, the blotching of it. Uh, that in itself would be a visual. But then, then you would go and see that the, their eyebrows would fall out. Uh, their, their ears would be, eventually begin to deform. Or their, 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 their fingers. And not so much because of the disease, but because of the implications of the disease. The disease, what it did, is it would, it would deaden your nerve endings. And so they would not realize that if they were to put their hand in a fire, they would not realize that. So many of them, like diabetes today, a lot of the harm they have is because they don't even know that they have a problem. I was reading one story of one man who lost his eyesight, and they weren't quite sure, but he had leprosy. But he, but he had been washing his eyes with, with scalding hot water the whole time, and he didn't realize it. And so that's one of the issues. So you can imagine your body would eventually start losing appendages. You would finally find yourself being burnt and, and, and uh, all sorts of dangerous things. Now, human-human transmission is the primary cause of affection. So you can see why these people were kept at a very far distance from people. And though it can be treated today with treatment, it had no cure in those days. 
This man is described as full of leprosy, which indicates that he most likely had been suffering from this disease from some time, leading to devastating results. And those with leprosy suffered most likely from both physical pain and social isolation as they were cut off from both worship and community. Theologian Walter Leefield notes that souls suffering from leprosy were repulsive and resulted in that, as I said before, physical, social, and psychological isolation of their victims. And I don't know if, as I was reading this or putting this together, it kind of comes together what we're finding out today with this thing and where we're isolation we see is a very dangerous thing. It was both physical and social. As you may recall from our studies in Leviticus several years ago, that the Mosaic Law had instituted exact guidelines concerning those afflicted with leprosy. In Leviticus chapter 13, 45 through 46, I believe that may be on the monitor, Moses writes that the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean, unclean! And he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside of the camp. Leprosy was so horrific and terrible that it was used actually as a curse on one's enemy. Even King David declared in 2 Samuel, May it fall upon the head of Joab and upon all of his father's house, and may the house of Joab never be without one who has a discharge or who is leprous. This is not something you would want on your worst enemy. Because of the dangers of transmitting the disease to others and the regulations of the law, lepers typically had no connection with society or the religious life that was so important to the Jewish faith. Considered impure, they were forcibly separated from their families, their friends, their neighbors, and society. And with no opportunity to work or make a living, they were left to begging for survival. And with all of that in mind, we must consider the pain, the physical, the mental, the emotional and spiritual pain that this man must have endured during his life. It's hard to imagine this type of suffering today. Once we take a moment to consider the impact this cruel disease had on this man, it becomes easier easier for us to understand his plea and his encounter with Jesus. The second observation for us this morning is considered that Jesus is the only one who can provide a solution to this man's condition. This man must have known of Jesus' healing power through the word of mouth of those that had seen Jesus' healing in action. Even from his isolation, he must have heard of the testimony of those that had Jesus had healed from various ailments. In the last part of verse 12, we read that the outcast comes and asks Jesus for healing. He says, and when Jesus he saw, or when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. As he approaches the city where he should not have been, this man declared unclean and considered an outcast uh, by all summons up the courage to confront Jesus. Now we can only imagine all of the thoughts going through this cursed man as he sees Jesus. And he abandons all the protocols he has known to approach him. Pastor John MacArthur notes that this passage reveals the desperation, the reverence, the urgency, the humility, and the faith of this leper as he comes to plea for mercy. 
In desperation and reverence, he collapses on his knees before Jesus with his face to the ground to plead his case. He demonstrates his humility by not even making eye contact. Rather, he pleads his case for healing. And his plea displays a faith that Jesus is able to do what the man asks. Make me clean. Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Now, the man didn't doubt that Jesus could heal him. The man's doubt is based on would Jesus heal him? Would Jesus be willing to do so? Now, why would he question if Jesus would? Obviously, he had heard about Jesus' healing uh, many people. He had heard the stories and the testimonies about those who were healed. Excited about the prospects of finding a solution to his problem, he had gathered his courage. He goes to Jesus and he asks for healing. He's even showing great respect by kneeling before him as a subject, asking from a favor for a key, from a king. Yet he questions if Jesus would do so. Why? Well, the reason is that this man was, according to the law, unceremoniously unclean. Jesus had no ceremonial law uh, uh, that required him to do so. This man, he was an outcast. He was not allowed to live in the villages and the towns, as I've said. He had to remain from people. He had no opportunity to work and hold a job, nor approach people. He's financially and socially isolated. He would be dependent on the charity of others. And going back to Leviticus 13, unclean, as long as he has disease, and this man was full of it. He's had it most of his life. He has to live alone. His dwelling place is outside the camp. This is drastic when you think of it. The main reason was the protection from from people so they do not get the disease. The problem was that this leper could not be made clean by a priest. He could only be determined to be clean by a priest. And by this time in his life, he had probably lost any hope of recovery. There was no hope of rejoining society. No hope of being reunited with his family or acceptance in temple worship. He had no other hope. This was his only solution, a a, a Hail Mary, so to speak. The only thing left for him is miraculous healing that would fully restore him. One theologian writes that the disease was such a nature as to give the impression of filth, and the appeal for cleansing was appropriate to the condition. So when he asks, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean, he's most likely expressing a sense of unworthiness rather than the doubt of Jesus' ability. In other words, he wondered if he was worth it to Christ. Lord, if you would at least look on me, the one who is is not to be looked, the one who is not to be touched, the one who is not even to be here, if you will, would you please, would you at least consider my plight? How often? Do you and I just pass by people and don't even consider them? Do we look past them? Do we not consider the emotional pain? Many times when we, we find people that are angry that are, uh, that are angry or, or frustrated or in some type of thing, we never think back about the hurt that may be causing them to do so. He wants to know, Jesus, would you at least look at me? Would you consider me one as worthy of your healing? Luke now puts the focus on Jesus 
as he records Jesus' wonderful response to this man in verse 13. And here we read Jesus' response with both compassion and firmness. Read with me silently, if you would, at verse 13. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. I will look at you. I will heal you. And immediately, Luke records, the leprosy left him. Now, though his word was enough to heal the leper, Jesus demonstrated more, much more, when he willingly and lovingly, did you see what he did? He did what? He touched him. Jesus shows his love and mercy as well as his power, especially when he physically makes contact with one who was not to be touched. This selfless act probably took the crowd, the disciples, and especially this man by surprise. This was unheard of. The lepers were to walk around with cowbells hung around their neck, crying out, unclean, unclean in order to give ample warning to anyone nearby to avoid them at all cost. Anything that a leopard touched would become automatically unclean. Yet Jesus placed his love and compassion above this ceremonial law. Who knows when the last time this man had ever been touched by human hands, human contact. This one act is just as moving to me as the act of the healing itself. Human contact, as you and I know, is so important. We are made as social beings that long for human interaction. There have been studies done that show the ill effects of babies that have been neglected and, uh, for a long time without human contact. You might recall Doug and uh, Marina Landros, their testimony there in Ukraine, our missionaries to Ukraine. One of the missionary, uh, missions that they have in their church, one of the uh, ministries they have at their church, is there's an orphanage there of babies that have been left there since of infancy. And one of the things they do is they go each week and they just go and hold and touch the babies because there's too many of them for the nurses and those to take care of. Could you imagine a child who grows up not wanting to be touched or any individual for someone who likes that contact. There are some, obviously, who, who avoid it. But for most of us, we long for that. We as a church, we long for it, do we not? Right. One of the things that we miss is that greeting time. It's very odd for us not to do that. I, I remember, I was just looking at my phone, it just recurred to me, uh, June 4th, there was a fire down, down the street. And as you know, I, I'm a, uh, I work with the fire department. And so I haven't seen these guys. We haven't been able to go see them uh, since February or since March. And so I find, you know, I'm going to go to the fire. You know, I'll go to the fire. I've got my stuff on, you know, and, and I can at least stand around. But as soon as I got there and the guys saw me, guess what the first things they did? They put out their hands and shook my hand. That was the first time, by the way, I had shook a man's hand in a, in a long time. Because I didn't, we hadn't even, you know, we hadn't even really done that. But in every one of them, no problem, shaking my hand. And I thought, wow, that was such a nice gesture. It was reassuring to me for someone who hadn't seen them in so long, and they just reached out. We want that touch. There's something important about that. That's what makes this whole time here with this COVID so difficult, is it not? 
It's the isolation that we have to have, the, the, the requirements not to touch. We have to walk around almost don't touch, don't touch. And if you touch something, it becomes contaminated and you have to clean it. You know, when you leave, I'm going to have to spray this whole building down, you know, for the next group. It's just the way that we have to live at this point. Now, that is nothing to what, compared to what these men and women that were struck with this disease had. And I don't want to make light of that. If I, if I am, please feel that that's not what I'm trying to do. But human contact is important. But not only does Jesus touch this man, he was untouchable. Jesus comforts him by declaring that he desires to make this man clean. He hears the words he longs for. He feels the touch of the Savior's hand. Jesus is willing to end this man's suffering. I imagine that what Jesus did not tell us how he touched him. But I almost assume in my mind's eye, Jesus lifted his head up so that he can make eye contact with this man and look into his eyes and say, I will. I see you. I'm going to touch you. I care. What a wonderful Savior we have. Knowing the suffering of this man, Jesus desires to release him from his captivity and to set him at liberty. With love and compassion and mercy, he reaches out, he touches this man and declares simply, be clean. And if you would, if you have your Bibles, would you just circle those four words? I will be clean. These are words that you and I must hold on to. In Greek, this is only one word. We say be clean, but in Greek, it's one word. With one command, Jesus changes this whole man's life. This man's healing is immediately and complete. Think about it. In one moment, he becomes perfectly whole. Whatever damage this devastating disease had done to his body is repaired. His skin, once again, is restored and unblemished. Any damage of his or deformities of his fingers, his ears, his nose, his, tie, his toes, his eyes, whatever might have fallen off were restored and immediately there again. The ESV Study Bible. Notes that Jesus is not made unclean by touching the leopard. And this is important. How could Jesus touch him? But instead, the leopard is cleansed by Jesus' words and by Jesus' touch. Now, I can imagine the wonder of this sight to those who are eyewitnesses. Never had this been seen before. I cannot even imagine the emotions and the thoughts of this man who was cleansed from leprosy. This whole man's whole life was restored. He can now be reunited with his family. He can now rejoin society and be restored to the public worship that was so integral to his faith. Now, by breaking the law, Jesus, when Jesus touched this man, he, 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 he broke the ceremonial law. Jesus shows that he has authority over the law. It is not binding on him. No, that law emanates from him. See, Jesus cannot be contaminated by this disease as you and I could be. 
Yet at the same time, he did not come to abolish the law, but he directs the man to fulfill his obligations by going to the priest in order that he might be confirmed the miraculous healing. In verse 14, we read, And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. Turn to Leviticus chapter 14 if you would. I just want to take a look at this real quick. Leviticus chapter 14, it's the third book from the beginning of your Bible. We looked at this uh, passage several years ago. And in this passage, we read of the steps that a leper would need to follow to be declared clean from his disease and brought back into the community. Look at verses four, or chapter 14 of Leviticus. Look at verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, This shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. So this is the day that, that he needs to come back and declare that he's been clean. Remember, the priest could not make them clean. They could not heal them of their disease. The, the, the ceremonial law could not heal anyone. It only ostracized them, right? And it only declared if they were clean or not. He says, on the day of their cleansing, he shall be brought to the priest. So this is what Jesus is telling this man to do. And the priest shall go out of the camp because he can't, the leper cannot come in. And the priest shall look. Then if the case of leprous disease is healed in that person, the priest shall command for him to take him who is cleansed, two live clean birds and cedar and scarlet yarn and hyssop. In verse 5, the priest shall command them, to, command them to kill one of the birds in an earthenware vessel over fresh water. He shall take the live bird with the cedar wood and the scarlet yarn and the hyssop and dip them in the and dip them and the live bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. Something must die. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed of the leprous disease. Then he shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird go into the open field. Now, by sending this man to fulfill this duty, the priest would give testimony to the healing power that Jesus possessed. Jesus follows the Mosaic law and the requirements, and in doing so, listen, why does Jesus call him to do this? Because it gives evidence of his divine power. Jesus' compassion and mercy are going to be on full display as he reaches out and he touches this leopard and he desires to heal him and he releases him from his suffering. But we should also note that in this encounter, Jesus gives relief from the burden of this ceremonial law. What was the purpose of that law? Israel was to be set apart from the other nations. They were to be called holy as Leviticus reports the command of God says that I am whole, I am the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You shall therefore be holy as I am holy. Israel was commanded to observe what was considered by God to be clean and unclean in their diet, their garments, their housing, their relationships, their intimacy and personal hygiene. I mean, the law, the ceremonial law affected every part of your life. And this was high and unreachable expectation. Reading these various laws Concerning the unceremonial or the ceremonial cleanness, it would be quickly known that no one could ever attain to that state of remaining pure and clean. Immediately or eventually, one would fail in some small part and being unclean. Knowing this, God puts in the solution. Go to the priest and they'll be able to declare. In the case of this man, it's not his fault that he had leprosy and was unclean. 
It was understood to be from God's hand. As God says, when you come into the land of Canaan, I will put a case of leprous disease in a house. Now that didn't stop some stop some from believing that it was a curse or evidence of sin in someone's life. Many times, uh, back in those days when someone was sick with leprosy, uh, whatever it might be, it was a sin that caused them to be so. And we know that that is not true, just as it's not true in your life. But we do understand that this man's condition is in the hand of God. You see, what happens is the God who gave him leprosy to begin with is the one who also heals him. It is only God that can make one clean. And once again, this passage shows the mercy and grace of a Savior who desires to make this man ceremoniously clean. By, 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 by appearing before the priest, and this is why Jesus tells him to go to the priest for this. By appearing before the priest, the priests themselves would be forced to declare that this man is clean. One who they knew was not was now clean. Thereby, it would give recognition of Jesus' divine ability to heal. They could not say uh, something else happened. What, the, how are you full? Or how are you cleansed? How are you healed? He would have to give evidence of Jesus Christ. Now, one reason that this miracle is recorded, why is this miracle recorded? It says on one occasion, doesn't even give us when, in one of the cities, it doesn't even tell us when it says, and then it says a man full of leprosy. It doesn't even give us this man's name. We don't know what happens to him as he moves off the scene. Why is this miracle included, this little three-verse sentence? Well, one reason that this miracle is recorded is because Jesus, once again, proves his deity and his role as Messiah through miracles. Pastor John MacArthur in this message, on this passage, he says, Luke writes about this and many other miracles, as do the other gospel writers, because miracles are essential to the scriptural record to identify Jesus as son of God. He does what man cannot do. He does what doctors cannot do. In fact, the miracle record of Jesus is essential to the Christian faith because these are proofs of his supernatural divine nature. And Jesus is putting down that groundwork to the priests and to religious leaders as well as his disciples and those who are following him. The Christian faith becomes inexplicable on any legitimate grounds. If, if fantasy or, if, or I'm sorry, I missed, I skipped a line here because that didn't make sense. If he is not supernatural, John MacArthur says, tear up your New Testament because in the Bible does not make sense. And this is one of those things, you know, uh, some of our, you know, Thomas Jefferson is famous for writing, a, taking a Bible and cutting out all of Jesus' miracles because he did not believe Jesus was supernatural, was the son of God. Uh, if you take out the miracles of Christ, you have nothing. If you take out his claims of divinity, you have nothing. But because the miracles did happen, they are true. He is God and he is our redeemer. Now, as we go on, I want to I just bring you to this point here where we have to understand that not only does this healing demonstrate Jesus' divine ability to heal along with his compassion for this man who is untouchable, and for those who are hurting, but also his, his desire to heal, but also serves as a great analogy that points to our need for salvation. You see, you and I 
are spiritual lepers. We've been cast out of Eden and the presence of God. Scripture describes us in Ephesians chapter 2, you'll see here in the monitor, as those who were dead in the trespasses and sins and once we once walked. We were following the course of this world, just going along. We were following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That's what you and I were once considered among whom we once lived in the passions of the flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature, we are children of wrath like the rest of mankind. The Bible says this is our natural state. This is what we are born into in our infancy. We are outcasts from God. We cannot approach him. He is unapproachable. He cannot be contaminated with our sin. Yet the Apostle Paul goes on to write that, and we look in here in the monitor, that God being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. It's not that you and I got better. We made ourselves better, and then God loved us. No, God loved us when we were lepers. He loved us when we were unlovable. He loved us when we were rebellious, when we were disobedient. That's when God loved us. And it's by grace he made us alive together with Christ. He healed us. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and has seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You see, God promises that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's what you and I need to do. Like this leprous man, we need to come to Jesus and say, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Like the man full of leprosy, you and I must come with desperation. You need to recognize that you are a sinner. And that without Christ, you are without hope. And you say, but wait a second, me and God, we got us a thing worked out as the old country song goes. But I'm telling you, he hasn't worked out. He has a place for you. It's eternal separation from his love. Many times we think of hell as a place that God is not there. But that's not true. The Bible tells us differently. God is there in hell. Not in person. But that's where his wrath abides. He's not going to leave you to your own devices. It's not a party for you and your friends. It is a place where God's wrath will be poured out on you for all of eternity problem many times is you and I don't see our desperation. We don't see our true condition. We spoke about this several weeks, the condition of man, of unbelief. But you need to realize that you are without hope, without Christ. That's why the Bible says, blessed are the poor in spirit. It's not talking about economically poor. He's talking about those who see their true condition. We then come with reverence, an awe of God. Those who desire the things of God. And then we must come with an urgency. He says, blessed are those who are hungry and thirst. And you can think of that. If you're hungry or thirst, you want to be filled, satisfied. Now we need to come with urgency. Not, well, I'll get saved one day. I'll, I'll wait until I enjoy life for a while. The Bible says, no, today is the day of salvation. And then humility, recognizing that there's nothing that you and I bring to the table in our relationship with God. 
and said, Lord, I, I have nothing. We're like that leopard. Will you clean me if you would? We know that you will. Would you please do it? I have nothing to offer. I have nothing to give. And then faith. That's the response. That's trusting that Jesus will. So you and I can insert ourselves into this passage, so to speak. For you and I are the leper. We're not Jesus in the story. We are not the disciples. We are not the others who are watching. We are the leper. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus promises in John chapter 6, verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And the promise is I will raise him up on the last day. So what is the will of God? That anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord in faith shall be saved. So when we say, Lord, you can make me clean if you are willing. The Lord responds, I will be clean. Have you come to him with that prayer? Have you come to trust in his word? We come now to today. What does this mean for us today, this passage, this miracle? How should we respond to this man's plight and his healing? First, we should take comfort in knowing that God desires to heal and to make us clean and pure. He gives us the same command as Israel, be holy. Peter tells us in his first letter that we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. God wants to reach out and touch us and make us one of his. So let me ask you a question. Do you feel holy this morning? Do you feel clean this morning? Or are you like this leprous man who feels unclean? not deserving of God's grace. One theologian writes that it's sometimes easier to believe in God's power than in his mercy. We know that God can heal, yet we wonder if he will heal us. We believe that we are too far gone. We doubt his word. We doubt his promises. We doubt his goodness. Let me ask you this morning, how many of you have leprosy of the soul? A soul filled with scabs and scars and sores from past hurts and sins, maybe even to the point that you have no longer any feeling or even a numbness in your spirit. You have given up of ever feeling loved, accepted, or holy, clean. It doesn't matter what your leprosy is. God can, and God is willing, and God will heal. Maybe you have or you're now suffering from past decisions and mistakes that have tainted your heart and your mind, and you can't escape them. Maybe it's an abortion a broken marriage or family relationships, 
addictions, bitterness, resentment, anger, financial stresses, whatever it may be that's keeping you from coming to Christ, we need to throw away. You think that you're all alone. You think that no one could ever forgive you if they knew you like you knew yourself or like Christ knew you. One pastor tweets that if the depths of everyone's sin was made public, we would all be much more gracious to each other. I wish that was the case because to be honest, I think even for Christians today, if we knew the depths of other people's sin, we would not accept them. God does. I believe that's true. Many of us are holding back and confessing our sins because we're afraid of what others may think or react to us. We have transferred those fears of others to a fear to a God who already knows all things about you. Yet we must understand that scripture informs us that we are identified by more than just our uncleanness or our sins. I know we live in a world today that that everything is identity, right? You are known and described and and identified by, by your identity, who you are, what you've done, what you experience, what you think. Jared Wilson in his book, The Imperfect Disciple. I I encourage you to read this book. Ben and I are going through it together. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful book. The Imperfect Disciple by Jared Wilson. He writes this. He captures it beautifully. He writes, you are more sinful than you ever can realize. Let me say that. You are more sinful than you realize. Like this leper who was full of leprosy, you are full of sin. Even as a Christian, your mind and your hearts are continually building idols of the heart. You are more sinful than you realize. But, that one English word that changes everything, you are more loved than you know. You are more loved than you can ever know. Thank you. This man full of leprosy falls at Jesus' feet. No hope. Lord, if you are willing, you can heal me. You can clean me. You can heal me. I know you can. Jesus says, I will be cleaned. That's our call today. And Jesus' answers will be, I will be cleaned. Jesus promises, come to me all who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, Jesus says. My burden is light. I can carry whatever it is that burdens you. The man was lonely, desperate, and hurting. His only solution was to go to Jesus We are all this man today. Our only solution is to go to Jesus. Go to Jesus with your pain and suffering. Go to Jesus and ask for healing. Go to Jesus when you're in doubt and when you're fearful. Jesus will cleanse. Jesus will heal. Jesus will save. We need to echo the words of this leper who pleads, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. 
The New American Commentary notes that there is no limitation to Jesus' can other than he wills to exercise his power. Jesus can and wills to release us from that which oppresses us, enslaves us, that makes us unclean. Would you do so today? Would you come to Christ for a cleansing? Don't doubt the goodness of God. There's a great song that captures this wonderful promise. Some of you might know it. It's called, He Touched Me. It goes, shackled by a heavy burden, beneath a load of guilt and shame. Then the hand of Jesus touched me, and now I'm no longer the same. Since I've met, met this blessed Savior, since he cleansed and made me whole, oh, I will never cease to praise him. I'll shout it while the eternity rolls. Oh, he touched me, he touched me, he touched me. And joy that fills my, slow, my soul. Something happened, and now I know that he touched me and he made me whole. Many of you have that as your testimony Would you make it the flag that you move towards? If you haven't today, would you do so? With every head bowed and every head closed, as the worship team comes up, I'm going to also ask Landon to come up for our pastor's prayer and be very prepared for that. Would you come to Jesus? Whatever burden you're carrying, would you unload it? Would you come to him? He wills and he can and he will heal. Would you call on him to do so this morning? If you do not know Christ as your Savior, please come see me. I'd love to share with you how you may know that you can have eternal life. If your soul is still heavy and and you're carrying a burden of past sins or past hurts and things that haunt you, I'd love to share with you how Scripture, how God can navigate you through that. And you too can be reunited and rejoined with a God who loves you. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We love you so much. Heal us, cleanse us. We thank you for your word. Amen. Landon, would you come and lead us in the pastor's prayer? We hope you have enjoyed this week's message. We encourage you to share it with others. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at info at orangevilla.org. Be sure and join us for next week's message by subscribing to this podcast. To learn more about our ministry, submit prayer requests, or to find ways you can help share the gospel, visit us online at orangevilla.org. Till next time, we hope the grace and peace of God's love be ever present in your life.